All right. Uh, yeah, my name is Pastor Noof. You, you feel free to call me Pastor Noof. I, uh, yeah, I have absolutely no problem with that. My, my uh, first name is actually Jonathan. Um, and that's, that's from my mom because my mom knows me as Jonathan. And it, 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 sometimes it bothers her a little bit when people call me John. But, uh, but yeah, I'm Pastor John. I am the worship pastor of New Philadelphia Church. And the thing is that worship pastor is my title. But what's actually more true than that is that there is a worship pastor that is above me. And below the Holy Spirit, but above me, in between the Holy Spirit and me. Uh, I'm not really the true worship pastor, although that's my title. The worship pastor really is Pastor Christian of the church. And we go as far into worship as a body corporately, not just through music, but in worship, holistically, as far as Pastor Christian leads us in worship. And it's a really special thing that Pastor Christian can lead us in praise here on a Friday. It's, it's actually really special. There are other pastors, lead pastors, who can lead praise. Uh, some are better than others. Some are like more anointed to do this than others. But Pastor Christian's an, an anointed praise leader. And, uh, and so we're blessed to have him here leading us in worship uh, as the lead pastor of this house. And so let's give a hand to Pastor Christian. Let's thank him for doing that. Uh, truly an honor to have him do that. Uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, heaven to start out. Okay, do we like heaven? Yes. Heaven's good. When we were young, we probably all had some sort of conception of what heaven was, right? When I was really young, I, for whatever reason, I thought that heaven was just like sitting on top of the clouds. I'm not sure if I saw a picture at some, t- at some point that, that conveyed that or whatever, but when I saw clouds as a little boy growing up in Canada on the prairies, right, with the wheat fields and everything else, uh, some beautiful clouds there, I, I would imagine heaven is on top of that. But when it was a cloudless day, I wasn't sure what to make of that. And eventually I, I realized that heaven wasn't actually just sitting on the clouds, but that heaven was was far beyond that. And I started having other ideas of what heaven is. And I thought, you know, if if heaven is is the perfection of happiness and joy and peace and and love and everything, and, and everything good is in heaven, then I thought, well, all the things that I enjoy on earth must be in heaven in some form, right? So I thought, heaven must have hockey, because I couldn't imagine myself living for eternity without hockey. I grew up loving hockey, and I imagine it's got to be some, like, some greater form of hockey, some perfected form where, you know, you're not skating on ice, but you're skating on, like, a rink of gold, like, pure gold, right? And Jesus is playing with you, and Jesus is, like, the best hockey player ever. And, uh, but uh, for some you know, somehow you, you couldn't get hurt playing hockey because there are no tears or weeping or sorrow in heaven. The Bible says that clearly, and I'm not sure. That doesn't add up to me for, for hockey. So I've always, when I was growing up, I always had a, an interesting try, time trying to figure out what was heaven about. 
what was the, the big deal about heaven? And you guys all probably had different ideas too. I mean, just, just shout out. Some people shout out. What did you think heaven was like? What, what did you think was in heaven when you were a kid? Unicorns. Okay. Anyone else? Ice, the clouds are ice cream. Okay. Chocolate. Yeah, any, just, just lots of chocolate. The best chocolate. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure what that was about. Okay. We're going to disregard that entirely. I'm not sure if that made it on the audience mic, but Westfall can edit it out later. Uh, I want you all to turn to, pay, uh, to Revelation 21 to look at something that is very important about the nature of heaven. Revelation 21. And we're looking at verse 1. I'll just read it out. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. Now, people have all sorts of ideas. Theologians have all sorts of ideas of what heaven is like. And we've all probably heard or read of something regarding uh, someone dying and being taken up to heaven and experiencing paradise. Or people just being caught up in, uh, in a heavenly visitation and experiencing the throne room and these sorts of things. And so there are all sorts of ideas of what is going to be happening in heaven, what's going to be in heaven. But what we know for sure, what's most important about heaven beyond anything else is simply that God is there. That it is a place filled with the presence of God. It's filled with the light of God. It's filled with the love of God. It is completely saturated with glory because God's presence is there in complete and utter fullness. Whatever else might be in heaven, it's a place simply where God is. Now, if you look at the converse, we probably had ideas of what hell was like growing up. And again, theologians will debate uh, regarding what hell consists of and what, what goes on for eternity uh, for those who are not born again 
But what's most important to understand about hell is that it's simply a place where God is not. It is complete absence and void of the presence of God. Yeah, there's a lake of fire. There is, and it's never going to go out. There is weeping and gnashing of teeth, all these things. But when it comes down to it, it it's simply that God is not there. If you think of the most horrid place on earth, people, places where people will say that that's, it's hell and it's God forsaken, you know, war torn areas, whatever it might be. There's actually a good deal of the presence of God in those places that, that actually isn't hell but it's a small picture in that direction of what hell is like. Heaven is the fullness of the presence of God. Hell is the complete absence of the presence of God. And when you read through your Bible, you find that God always intended his people to be marked by his presence. All through the Bible in Genesis, Genesis one, Genesis two, Adam and Eve were in the very presence of God. They would walk with God. They would converse with God. They would fellowship with God. They were in his very presence. Then when they fell and were banished from the garden, you, many years later, you have God gathering his people in the wilderness. And when he gathers the Israelites in the wilderness, after they've come out of the land of Egypt, he has them encamp around his presence where God says, build a tabernacle and make this place. It's called the Holy of Holies. I'm going to dwell there. There's going to be a cloud of my glory during the day. And there's going to be fire in that cloud at night. And I'm going to dwell there. And what the Israelites did was they encamped all the way around that so that the presence of God was at the very center of everything they did. 12 tribes of Israel, all in camp, three, 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 all focused on the presence of God because God intended for his people to be marked by his presence. When Moses was about to lead his people into the promised land, Pastor Marcus preached on this a few weeks ago at Itaewon. God pulls him aside when he's up on the mountain with, with the Lord and says, I'm going to send you in. I'm going to send my presence with you. And then Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't even send me. He says, I'm taking for granted that your presence is going to go with us. If your presence doesn't go with us, we don't have anything. Moses is saying that's just foundational. Moses understood that God had marked him and his people with his presence. And God faithfully did that. And later when they had inherited the promised land, when they'd taken possession of it, they made Jerusalem the capital of the promised land and they built a temple. Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem, which contained again this place called the Holy of Holies where God's manifest presence dwelt. And that was at the center of everything that happened in Israel was the presence of God. The presence of God, the presence of God, the presence of God. And that was at the center of everything that was happening. And then you get many years later, the temple gets destroyed. 
the Ark of the Covenant uh, is, is gone. The, the, the presence of the Lord is not there in Israel anymore. The presence departs, and, and God goes on his rescue mission, sending Jesus to die in our place for our sins, has him resurrect by the power of the Holy Spirit and ascend to heaven. And when Jesus ascends to heaven, he sends down his very presence, the Holy Spirit, to indwell and empower men. And God is saying, I want so badly to mark my people by my presence that I'm actually going to send my very spirit and live inside of them. I'm going to put my presence in them. That's pretty incredible. The very presence of the Most High God lives inside of you. I'm, God says, I'm so committed to this. My people are a people of my presence. And when he does this, the Apostle Paul says he does it as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Holy Spirit inside of us is a deposit. You know, a deposit is just, it's just partial payments, basically, right? So the Holy Spirit inside of us, the, the most richness we've ever felt in the Spirit, the closest we've ever felt to God in the Spirit, is just the first small taste of what we're going to experience for eternity. We're a people of his presence. We've just gotten the deposit so far. It's just the first part. On Sunday, we're going to pay our deposits for the retreat coming up. That's just the first part, right? That's just the first man on of, of our retreat payment. The Holy Spirit in us now is just the first piece. God intended for us always to be a people marked by his presence. And beloved, we're, we're experiencing the joy of being in his presence in our meetings. Amen. We're, we're growing to love the presence of God. Amen. We gather together on a Sunday when we gather here on Fridays, Saturday nights, when we meet for joint prayer meetings, we're experiencing the greater and greater degrees, the presence of God. Are, are you with me? Are you experiencing this? I, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who's, who's experiencing this. I get like a really privileged position usually standing here and just seeing what God is doing as God is manifesting his presence all over the place. And it's not just hillside. At Itaewon, God is manifesting his presence. Itaewon? I... I had the honor of going to lead praise at Itaewon a few weeks ago. I don't go very often, but a few weeks ago I was there when Pastor Brian was off getting engaged in the States. I uh, got asked to come in and lead praise. And um, yeah, it was such an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. Such a sweet, sweet time. And every report I hear since then, even before then, is just God is pouring out his presence. God is marking his people by his presence. God's awakening people to his presence. He's transforming people by his presence. The presence of God is marking us. And it's not only Hillside and Itaewon. It's also happening in Pusan. As the people of God from New Philly are gathering in Pusan. 
God is pouring out his spirit. We're getting reports that God's just, yeah, manifesting his presence, his power, his love. As Pastor Caleb leads altar calls for like eight people, it must be like an interesting looking altar call with eight people. But you know, and, and God's pouring out his spirit. And people are responding and God's just awakening people to his presence. In this hour, God is doing a mighty work in this church to more fully and completely and obviously mark his people here by his presence. He's growing us to love his presence. Beloved, do you, do you love his presence? Now we do a bit, but we're growing to love his presence so much more, so much more. It's so sweet to love the presence of God. And so what I want to touch on for the next while is just a couple of things that are on my heart regarding loving the presence of the Lord, loving the presence of the Lord. Just two things that I feel are very important for us as God moves us further and further on this journey of his presence. The first thing that I, I want to emphasize to us tonight is that it's a good thing to love the presence of the Lord. It's a good thing to be a lover of his presence. And that song, Itaewon, you, you led that song, or Sonia led that song last Sunday, right? I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your presence. And that song's been pounding in my heart all week. I wasn't even in, I wasn't in Itaewon. I just heard that you guys did it. And it's been pounding in my heart all week. I'm a lover of your presence. It's a good thing. You see, King David was a man who we all know was called a man after God's own heart. You know that there is no one else in scripture that that's said of. It wasn't said of Moses. It wasn't said of Noah. It wasn't said of Abraham. It wasn't said of John the Baptist. You know, it wasn't said of any of the apostles. It was said of one man, King David was a man after God's own heart. It's not to say those other men weren't, but it goes, you know, the Holy Spirit goes out of his way to ensure that's in Scripture, that it's stated there and emphasized David was a man after God's own heart. That means that David had the right priorities for what he did. God was interested in the priorities that David set for his life. What does it say in Psalm 27? One thing. I asked of the Lord. We were singing it earlier tonight. One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I desire. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing. That's it. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing. That's all I want. When all of my life is boiled down to it, I just want this one thing. Just one thing, I want to behold God. I want to be in his presence because I know the Lord has marked me as a man of his presence. That is what I want more than anything. And you know that it's, it's a good thing 
to love what God loves? Do you know that actually God loves to pour out his spirit? And he loves to pour out his presence. I think sometimes we can get deceived into thinking God doesn't actually want these things. We can start to think subconsciously even that God wants us to, you know, to twist his arm and, and pound away in prayer saying, God, we want it, we want it, we want it, we want it. You know that God wants to pour out his presence? That's actually his heart. It actually burns inside of him. When the heart of God burns with something and our hearts burn with the same thing, something is going to happen. I promise you that. God waits for our hearts to burn with what's inside of his heart. There is a collision that takes place in the spirit and God births something into existence when the burnings of our hearts are the same. God loves to pour out his presence. He loves to mark his people by his presence. The thing is that you will get people in the church who will say, it's not wise to chase after the presence of God. It's not wise to chase after, you know, just manifestations of, of the glory and the love and the power of God. That's an unwise thing to do, that it's, it's not worth your time because that's, that's not practical, maybe. You know, there are people who say, you know, it, it's just kind of, it can be a waste of time to just focus so much on that when there's so many problems out in the world. Why would you focus in the presence of God? Just go out in the world and, and, you know, and do the work of the Lord. But do you know that when you're in the presence of God, God is doing a mighty work in you to transform you into his very likeness. That's how God transforms you when you're beholding the beauty and the goodness of God. The apostle Paul says, we who with unveiled faces beholding his glory are being transformed from glory to glory. We're being transformed. Beloved, if you leave this place and you aren't changed... I question whether or not you met with the Lord. Because when you meet with the Lord, you cannot help but be changed. You have to. He is God. We can get so casual meeting with the Lord when the Lord desires to consume us completely in his presence. It is a good thing to love the presence of the Lord. Amen? Don't ever get caught up in thinking that's not wise. That's not worth my time. Go after his presence all the way. It's a good thing. The second thing I want to emphasize tonight is the importance of cultivating a lifestyle of loving the presence of God. cultivating a lifestyle of loving the presence of God. Because you could just come here on a Sunday or on a Friday or on a Saturday or wherever you worship, and you could just enjoy the presence of the Lord in that place at that time. And you could leave and not 
consider the presence of the Lord, not hunger after the presence of the Lord, not pursue the presence of the Lord through the rest of the week. But God wants to establish us as a people who are pursuing his presence all the time. Not just when we gather here for meetings, to pursue his presence day by day, morning by morning, night by night, a people completely and fully marked by the presence of God. One of the practical ways in which you can do that is by making your home a tabernacle. All of us here have a home. I'm assuming that no one, if you're homeless, then we'll, we'll connect you, we'll hook you up, we'll get you a place to live. We all have a place, a residence, that we can make into a tabernacle of the Most High God. That, that is a blessing that you have a home, a place where you can do that. That's for everyone. You can just be in your house, in your home, in your apartment, wherever it is, and enjoy the presence of the Lord and pursue him. And the thing is, it's, it's not about, primarily, it's not about, even about intercession, that's, that's part of it. Primarily, it's not about warfaring in the spirit. Primarily, it's just about being in God's presence, enjoying the presence of the Lord. How many of us, you know, get up in the morning and just enjoy the Lord? Not even interceding. Just getting up in the morning and saying good morning to the Lord and spending time gazing on his beauty. God's growing in this, us in this, beloved. He's growing us in this place of just enjoying the Lord, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. I challenge you, get up in the morning and spend some time just enjoying the Lord. Those are the sweetest mornings I've ever had is when, when I do that, when I take time. And, and there are so many, so many mornings I wake up and there's like pressure to do something or even to start interceding for something. But the Lord is teaching me, just wait on me. Just enjoy my presence. Beloved, that is never a waste of time. You will not waste one minute of your day just gazing on the beauty of the Lord. Not one minute. It is always worthwhile. Because the Lord starts to teach you his heart. He starts to warm you up in his presence. He starts to speak and sing his love over you. If you open up your ears to hear what he's saying, if you take the time to do that, and it's from that place that you can enjoy a time of intercession because you're now connected to the heart of God. You can enjoy warfaring on behalf of your family and friends in this nation because you're connected to the heart of God in that place but starting with just enjoying the presence of the Lord. Sometimes I'll just sit in bed. I'll just lay in bed. I will just lay in bed. I won't even be up. And I'll just be aware of the Lord. I say, Lord, it is so good to be in your presence. I don't want to go anywhere. And I'm not falling asleep. I do fall asleep sometimes. But that's good. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that, really. 
I mean, you're laying there, you're enjoying the presence of the Lord. God is so beloved. God is so good. He just wants you to know his goodness, you know? Make your home a tabernacle. I really feel like that was something that, that was to a certain extent established when I was living with Pastor Marcus and, and Andy in. Uh, before I got married, I was living with those two brothers. And, and our home, which is the home they still live in, was, was really a place where there was a sweetness in the atmosphere in that home. And it was because the three of us were praying there. We were worshiping there. We were enjoying the Lord there. And when people would come over, people would, we, we often had people just stay over at our place. And, uh, and for whatever reason, like people would, would sleep really well at our place. People, like people who had really difficult times sleeping would just have really sweet, restful sleep in our home. And I can only think that was happening because we were doing something to cultivate a place of the presence of God, of making it a tabernacle. Your home is a refuge for you, beloved. Don't make it a place of, you know, just enjoying, you know, worldly things all the time. Make it a place of the presence of the Lord. Another thing practically you can do is just enjoy the Lord all day. You know, you can enjoy the Lord everywhere you go. It, it, you don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be in K1. K1 helps. You should all check out K1. Uh, you don't have to be in a special place to enjoy the Lord because the Lord is everywhere. And because the Lord lives inside of you, he, he's everywhere you go, Right? This is not easy for us because we spend most of our days not conscious of the Lord at all. I'm testimony of that. I just so often I'm just not thinking about the Lord. Even when I'm, you know, as a pastor, doing work for the church, I'm not thinking about the Lord. Try to figure that out. I mean, I should be, in doing ministry, I should be thinking about the Lord all the time. But so often it's just not easy to do that. I've discovered lately that uh, this is especially difficult for me. This is new discovery for me, really. Especially difficult for me when I go shopping. I actually, I've discovered lately that shopping is a difficult place for me to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Some of you love shopping. You love being there, you know, checking things out, either buying things, just window shopping or whatever it might be. Um, I've gone shopping a couple times with my wife and, uh, and it's just shopping, shopping drains me. Shopping energizes a lot of people. It makes me tired. Now, we were shopping like last week. We were in Myeongdong and and we were shopping for clothes. And I never realized there were so many Zaras in Myeongdong. (laughs) There are actually (laughs) at least three of them. And uh, and I just found like we were going from store to store doing shopping for clothes. And by the end of the day, I realized I'd spent almost a full day not even conscious of the Lord. Like I'd wasted a day when I could have just, you can enjoy the Lord doing anything. Whatever is different in in your workplace, in your classroom, enjoy the Lord. The apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. 
rejoice. He says it two times. I will say it again. Rejoice always. Do it all the time. I've never met anyone who does that, but that is our goal and our aim is to rejoice. It's so easy to be pulled because Satan wants you to be pulled away from that place of thanksgiving and joy. But God continues to call us into that place. Be joyful. Be thankful. Enjoy me. As you do these things, as you pursue the presence of God through your week, what's going to happen is you're going to come here on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday, and you're going to be even at a greater level of expectancy, a greater level of hunger, a greater level of thirst for the presence of the Lord. And the more you thirst for the Lord, the more he's going to respond in pouring out his presence. We've just scratched the surface of enjoying the presence of the Lord in this place. This is a journey that he is leading us on. The thing about enjoying the presence of the Lord is that you never get to the end of it. You never get to a place where you've enjoyed the Lord enough, where you've enjoyed his presence enough. Because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you just want to taste and see him more. And you want to taste and see him more and more and more and more. He both satisfies you and makes you hungry for more every time you taste him. If he didn't satisfy you and he didn't make you hungry for more, again, I question whether or not you experience the presence of the Lord. Because that's what he does. He's making us a people of his presence. And as we grow to love the presence of the Lord, what naturally flows from that place, although it doesn't feel natural a lot of the time, is that we take that presence, the presence of the Lord, and we bring it outside the four walls of the church for the world's encounter with the presence of the Lord. He is establishing us as a people of his presence, and his heart is that we take the presence that we experience here, because we, we experience a lot of sweetness in the place of worship, in the place of teaching, in the place of intercession, but God's heart is for us to take this right here and go out there for people to have encounters with the living God, people to experience him the way we're experiencing him and more. I don't know if you've missed 1038 for the past couple of months, but it's coming up next week. And I hope, I hope there's been something in your heart that's missed that. That's felt like, man, we haven't done this for a couple of months and I feel a void in my life. I feel like a hunger and thirst to this. Not because you need 1038 to go out and evangelize and, and minister the heart of the Lord to people, but for us to go as a church, as a body, and to bring his presence out on the streets, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit to do good to everyone we see, God's heart is to move us out there and do that in our own time, in our own space, and corporately as a body. 
it's the presence of God. The presence of God is what is going to take over this land, beloved. The presence of God is what is going to bring about revival in this land. People are going to be transformed by the presence of God. We here are all carriers of the presence of God, and we are growing to be lovers of the presence of God. And my heart is that that heart for the presence, the love for the presence grows more and more and more and more. That we would long to be made more and more people of his presence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us, God, and calling us, God, and marking us by your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you have been so intent, God, so committed, God, to making us people marked by your presence, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit to reside, to dwell inside of us, God. Father, we thank you, God, for we thank you for Thank you for the ways you've been manifesting your presence, God, among us. And God, even as we enjoy your presence, we know that we're just scratching the surface, God, that we're just, we're just at the start, God. Lord, I pray for revelation, God, through this room right now, God, of your burning heart, God, for your presence to be poured out. For the longings in your heart to pour out your presence, God, in this place, God, among us, Father. That you would teach us, God, what's truly inside of your heart, God, and that our hearts, Father, would burn with the same things that are burning inside of your heart, God. Lord, we don't want to stop short of one thing that you are leading us into, God, as a people of your presence, Lord. We don't want to stop short of one bit, God, of your presence that you long to pour out in this place, God. So we just say more and more and more, God. Pour out your presence, God, in this place, God. Fill this place, God, with the glory of your presence, God, with the cloud of your presence, God. Fill this place, God. Fill this place with the cloud of your presence, God. Fill this place, God, with the cloud of your presence, God. Yes, fill it, Lord. Fill it, God. Fill it, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, stir up hunger and thirst in our hearts for it more and more, that we would not grow complacent, God, that we would grow half-hearted, God, or lethargic, God. Yes, God, we would long for your presence.